Okay, I'm all recording. All right, guys, welcome to episode five of Inside Buzz. I'm your host, Mikey Domagala. This episode, we got Keith Hodges, uh, NBA and all different kind of sports strength coach. Um, he goes by Mind in Muscle on Instagram, Facebook, and he's always posting his videos. He trains Derek Rowe, <laughs> the, the Holiday Brothers, and everybody out there. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. No problem. So where do you train out of? Uh, I train in Los Angeles right now. I utilize a facility um, called the Factory Training. And then I utilize a facility in Beverly Hills or West Hollywood, which we call Monarch Athletic Facility once it's done being constructed here. So that's where I'll be most likely full time. Okay. Who are some of the athletes you train across all different kinds of sports? You know, um, I got my first start when I was in Indiana and my martial arts instructor was working with some of the Pacers and he just wanted to teach them martial arts. But he said they wanted like two hours of workouts. And he was like, well, I can't teach them martial arts for two hours. He was like, so would you mind doing a strength and conditioning for him? And I'm like, perfect. So I started with Roy Hibbert. And at that point in time, I just read a couple of books on like MMA strength and conditioning. And I kind of just not went off the top of my head I just went as I learned so I got better over time but nowhere near what it was today it was just more so training them to like if they had a fight just to get in better cardiovascular shape and then as time went on I started you know getting better and adding you know other things like with balance explosiveness etc etc and then they stuck with me so Roy ended up bringing probably about six or seven more to Pacers and at this time, this was a season before the Pacers went to game seven with the Heat um, in the Eastern Conference Finals. So that was, that was my first time. I believe. Yeah, that was my first time really, really working with, like, NBA athletes. Other than that, I have been training fighters, um, which is, of course, how I got, you know, with them at the martial arts gym. And um, when moving to California, I was given the opportunity by Mike DeVera, who was the Holiday's main trainer. He's with them now, of course. Uh, he travels with Drew, works with the Pelicans organization. And he was traveling with a tennis player, and he said, well, you know, you've, you're my next in line. You know, you've been here for a while, so here's your opportunity. So uh, with that, I got a chance to work with the Holiday Brothers, of course. At that time, it was – who was in the league? It was Benny Fowler. It was Johnson Badamasi. Um, Jordan Cameron was still in the league at that time. Julius Thomas. Stephen Ridley, you name him, Frank Clark. It was a bunch of guys. Um, Brian Beeman, I was with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. So it was, you name them, they came in the facility. And that was kind of like really when I got my feet wet with working with professional athletes. So did you go to school for anything? Any kind of training? Yep. I got my degree in exercise science and sports management from Indiana University. Um, but I wanted to work in corporate fitness. Um, I used to be a general manager of the gym. So at that time, I wanted to work in corporate sales and, you know, honestly play it safe. It's, you know, the mindset was a little different in Indiana. It was just fine. A, a good paying career. You know, you grow up and raise a family and then just repeat that cycle. So when I moved to California, I went to school for contingent education to get some extra credits to get back in corporate fitness. And I worked in corporate fitness at Boeing and Beachbody. And it was really boring. You know, I couldn't sit at a desk for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. And, you know, I couldn't do it. So yeah, I saw my training. And really yeah, training you know, and 
get, getting yeah, these athletes into top-notch shape. Yeah, for sure. And I was living in North Hollywood at the time, but, you know, we were going to El Segundo for work. So that was a long commute and then having to wake up, you know, 4 a.m. every day, you know, to get back and forth. That was a lot. So it kind of caught up with me then. I was doing neuromuscular therapy at the time. And that's when I saw Mike training. And I was like, well, what is this you're doing? Like, I've never seen this. And he was like, well, it's like three-dimensional movement training, um, like functional strength and conditioning. And I was like, well, this is different. Like, how can I learn? And he said, all right, well, if you want to learn, uh, be here at 5 in the morning tomorrow. And then from there, he started teaching me, and then I had success. And, you know, here I am today. Hmm. So how do you use social media to kind of help your personal brand and help you get clients? <laughs> you know, honestly – I'm not the best at marketing myself. It's when I was working with Derrick Rose, it went viral. That's got a lot more attention, of course. But I just usually, my page is what I've been told was boring. I just show what I can do. And, you know, it's nothing spectacular. Um, but I just had success showing that I actually work with people. And then hopefully that my coaching, like, they can see the coaching and see, that, all right, well, He's serious about, you know, his craft and they can see the difference between that and then what looks cool on social media. Mm -hmm. So when working with somebody like Derrick Rose, probably maybe your most famous of them all person you train, what are certain things you work on to ensure that he'll be healthy for the entire season? Well, the best thing to do with athletes or any person, period, we never train two people alike. Um, your body has compensation patterns that are different than mine. So everybody comes in, they first get an assessment. And with that assessment, we build the corrective exercise platform. And then from there, we tailor it to what your goal. If your goal is to move faster from laterally, you know, or create a program after you do your corrective exercise platform to help you move better laterally. If you want to jump higher, we can create the program. So everything is customized. And that's the cool thing about movement is that I can work with the general public and work with athletes. But um, with most athletes, just a lot of stability, a lot of functional movement, a lot of mobility. Um, you know, they can run fast, they can jump high, but most of them have very tight hips, limited dorsiflexion, very tight calves. So we just want to get them moving better and just feeling and be able to access more of their bodies. And, of course, the educational standpoint. So people tend to say that Derrick Rose lost his step since his MVP season and all of those years of gruesome injuries. Do you see him slowing down or do you see him um, knowing his body well, more and gaining strength? Well, if they watched him last year, you can see that he didn't necessarily lose a step. Um, he's older and, of course, you know, wiser, knows the game more. So his last year was his best year we had seen in a while. So I didn't necessarily see him slowing down. Um, he doesn't play as reckless as he used to. Like with a lot of athletes, when they get older and mature, you know, the game slows down. So um, if you're comparing him to when he was a rookie or, you know, with the Bulls, then yeah, of course. But no, um, Jim was great last year, great for the mid-range. And the mid-range is wide open now because he's just three and dunks now in the NBA. So I think um, he'll have a very efficient season this year. And he just seems to be, like, in love with the game again, like, happier. Um. Do you see that he trusts his body more than he once did? Um, you know, it's hard for me to say because we've never spoken. Um, and he's had other trainers, you know, before me who worked with him hands-on with his injuries and recovering. So that's hard for me to say whether he trusts. Um, I just know from our experience, um, he didn't seem to have limitations. And he was hungry during training. 
um, very competitive. So, you know, I think he trusts us. So uh, over the last few seasons, the NBA has been implementing certain things such as eliminating back-to-backs and even coaches giving their players minute restrictions. Is there something else you would want to see the NBA do to, and even other sports, do to ensure that their players could stay on the field for as long as possible and not get long-term injuries? Um, it's funny that you asked that. I just had this conversation with another coach at the gym. Um, I think what in basketball, they play basketball year-round and not enough time is taken or implemented into recovering and preparing their bodies for the upcoming season. It's just constant, you know, playing basketball and they never really stop and take time and put the ball down. As you can see, like Michael Jordan, there was a certain amount of time he took off, didn't pick up a basketball. He just worked on his body. So in basketball, I think that should be implemented more. I don't know how you do that, of course. Um, in football, there's an off season. They take time, but football players, in my experience, like training. Um, working, you know, lifting weights or strength and conditioning more so than basketball players. Basketball players want to play basketball. Um, so what I would like to see uh, from the NFL, if I were an owner, what I would do is I would do give, make mandatory MRIs to my athletes that paid. I don't know, maybe before, or after a game or during the week. But if I'm investing millions of dollars in my athletes, I want to make sure that they're ready to go. As you see now, more than ever, there's a lot of non-contact injuries. So my goal would be to eliminate those, and how do you do that? So we see players going down. I think Nick Chubb just went down last week and is done for the season. And could it be prevented? You know, maybe, maybe not. But I would like to see them take um, pre- and post-game or, you know, just put more emphasis on recovering. If they don't, and I've never been to a lot of owners, but mm-hmm. it doesn't seem as though a lot is taken care of or educational standpoint about the body, nutrition, and recovery. They have – the resources to do that, but I think it should be kind of mandatory, especially if you're paying these people millions of dollars and you want them to perform. And you look at what happened to Kevin Durant, unfortunately, last season. You know, I don't think he should have played. But, you know, it's hard to say when you got somebody that competitive in an organization that wants to win a championship. So, um, Do you agree with minute restrictions in the NBA, even if a player doesn't even have an injury that just occurred? Uh, that's hard. <laughs> um, I think there would be less minute restrictions if they didn't play as much basketball in the offseason and took time to repair the body. Um, LeBron James is a great you know, example. He takes so much care of his body, and I think that hopefully that catches fire and becomes you know, an everyday part of NBA culture. Um, so I think that if you can get them to take more time to put emphasis on recovery, preparing the body, corrective exercise, et cetera, et cetera, I think that load management won't be as big as an issue. But, you know, who knows? I don't, I'm don't. i not inside everybody's bodies. And everybody's feeling different. So if somebody has an injury or just not feeling well, it's hard to say, you know, you got to play 82 games a season. So mm-hmm. it's very hard to say. So for players like Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson who just – who are in the midst of – long-term injuries what kind of uh uh actually no I'm going to rephrase that question all right and I'll just edit it out all right so for players like Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson who are in the midst of long-term injuries what kind of advice would you give them would you give them advice to hold out as long as possible and come back 100 percent or kind of go by how their body feels 
Um, I would tell them just to stay encouraged. Um, it can be frustrating, um, the recovery process. Um, I've never torn ACL or ruptured an Achilles, but I know with the injuries I've had and I was nowhere near on their level, um, you want to come back as fast as possible, and it can be frustrating. So I would just tell them to stay encouraged. As far as the recovery process, um, I don't know the extent of the injuries because, you know, I wasn't working with them. So I would take the time, if it were me personally, and make sure that I was back 100%. Um, but the thing is, a lot of that is confidence, too, and just trusting your body. You know, so I would just tell them to take it day by day and then just focus on staying encouraged and getting better and just enjoy the – well, not enjoy, don't rush the process because um, – you rush it, you can re-injure certain areas. And for anybody with, like, coming back from injuries, I would say just to look at not just the area injury, injured, but what caused it. I think that not enough preventative measures are taken care of or looked at in training. Um, a lot of non-contact injuries, and that's why I think that it should be – you can't train everybody's bodies alike. So if – is a leak in the foundation, whether it's a unstable foot, unstable knee, you know, something that could lead to an, a non-contact injury. I think that we should find out ways to make that preventative. And that's why I think where I would make MRIs mandatory to where we can build the best bodies to make sure that our investments or the owner's investments are able to go. So Keith, are you, are you a sports junkie yourself? And with your knowledge of, of knowing bodies and how they work and how to strengthen and condition. Do you apply that knowledge to yourself? Oh yeah. I'm still a student. I experiment on myself the most, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, out here in Los Angeles, you're out here with who's who celebrity trainers, um, doctors, physical therapists, and it's very competitive. And I would say that the thing that I've had working for me is just the application um, and coming up with creative ways to challenge the body and always being willing to learn, take construct, uh, constructive criticism, and not feel like I am the end all be a functional movement. It's always room to get better. And you see a lot of people who have success and they feel, or what I've seen is like they seem to feel that their way is the best way and it's the only way and they trash other methods, et cetera, et cetera. I don't trash other methods. I try and take something from here, here, and here, and be able to apply it and make it the best. You know, you want to have the most functioning body. And to be the most functional, you can't just train one way. Hmm. So that's kind of what I do. But um, I try to apply it. I don't, you know, play professional sports. So, you know, I don't hit the weights as hard as an NFL player would. But <laughs> uh, mobility, corrective exercise, I try and stay on top of that. And nutrition. Okay. So how is LeBron James doing what he's doing, pushing 35 years old and heading into his 17th NBA season? You know, um, I've never met him. Um, he just takes good care of his body. Um, and that's all I have for you. I don't really uh, – <laughs> I've never been – you know, I've met the people that work with him, and they're just very hands-on. But I think what separates him is that he understands the need for – maintaining health and taking care of his body in the offseason, making sure he's ready to go. Now, how much does genetics have to do with a player's health or somebody like LeBron James? Um, genetics plays a big role in it. I mean, you know, he was a grown man in high school. So you guys have people 
who are freaks of nature. And so the next plays a big role. And then in the other part, you have people who just work themselves um, to that level. But genetics does play a big role. As far as how much, that's hard to say. But, you know, there are some very God-gifted people out here who don't work as hard as some people who aren't and just able to, you know, do, you know, special things in this sport. So you train but, – oh, what's that? But eventually, um, what I will say is that you have to have the skill because you're going to get older. And when the athleticism fades, you know, if you don't work on your game, you know, you won't last. So you see someone like Blake Griffin, who was, you know, super athletic, but now you see he's developed a jump shot. So he can be able to produce on the court. Um, Vince Carter, you know, he slowed down. You saw that he was how long he was able to play. Um, Jordan, the second time around, you know, he wasn't the same Jordan before. He had more of a mid-range game, Kobe, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to develop the skill because you won't always be young. So you train all three Holiday brothers, Drew, Justin, and Aaron. Have you ever trained yeah. with them all together? Yeah, I was given an opportunity uh, when Mike uh, started traveling with the tennis player. So I worked with all of them. Um, Aaron came a couple of times. It was mostly Justin and Drew a couple of years ago. Okay. And that was awesome because I was, you know, they were really willing to give me a chance. And, you know, with, you know, top-tier athletes like that, not a lot of them are willing to do that, you know. They have to be able to trust you with their body and trust it what you're doing. And, you know, they gave me an opportunity uh, once Mike gave me a green light. So I'm very fortunate for that. Can you touch on Drew Holiday's upcoming season? Have you spoken to him about anything? Have you worked with him recently? I haven't worked with him recently. He's uh, he's with Mike. Um, now okay. that Mike's not traveling, he's with his full-time trainer. Um, but I've seen it work, and, you know, I think it's going to be a great season for all three of the guys. What's the most important factor for any athlete in any sport to remain healthy? <sighs> That's hard to say. Um, nutrition's a big component. Um, corrective exercise, mobility, um, and just strengthening your weaknesses. So um, you have to eat well because, you know, bad food causes the joints to inflame, um, which can, you know, limit recovery. Um, if you don't work on areas that you need to work on, you know, that can cause injury. Um, so that's why I think corrective exercise. Mobility is just being able to access your body and be able to move with control. So I think all those are, you know, important. It's kind of, you know, different people rank them differently, but I guess it depends on the individual and what they need. One person may be more mobile than the other person with bad, have bad eating habits. This person may have great eating habits, but doesn't work hard, doesn't work on mobility. So it's just strengthening your weaknesses and trying not to have any weak links. Can you go into the science of training Derrick Rose and certain um, workouts that you have done with him to strengthen something in his, in his game? Um, well, uh, the science of most athletes is just to just build better bodies and just teach them. Um, so I didn't do – I'm not going to say I didn't do anything special with him. Um, I trained him like I approach every other um, So with most athletes, uh, most sorry, most athlete, athletics are a lot of quad dominant. So basketball is quad dominant. Football is quad dominant. You know, runners, running is a lot of quad dominant. So a lot of tight hips. So what we do is we specialize in posterior chain development. So what we want to do is – 
work on posture, realigning the body, build strong glutes, strong hamstrings, and, you know, loosen up the hips, lengthen the, loosen up the quads, et cetera, et cetera, along with the corrective exercise. So um, the goal is just to build this posterior chain. Um, that's where all your horsepower comes from. And then just mostly education and a lot of mobility and just teaching him and introducing him things he can do during the season to just stay mobile, stay loose. And, you know, just a big teaching aspect. Everybody's different. All right, Keith, I appreciate you coming on. That's all the questions I got for you today. Once again, guys, we've got Keith Hodges, who goes by Mind and Muscle. Find him Hello. on Instagram. I oh, you still there? It says uh, the internet connection is unstable. Yeah, I, I barely heard you. Um, all right. The last thing I heard was well. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I was just, just going to do the outro. That's all I got for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, I could cut all this. Don't worry. It's oh, okay. Well, um, well, it, it, since you can cut, did you have anything that you wanted to, else that you wanted to ask? Uh no, that's all I got. You do you want me to ask you anything? I'll whatever. Uh, on. Think. Getting into more science um, of what you do. Yeah, we can talk about the science. So, what would, what would be a question? Because I'm not too familiar. Um. What do I do? I guess what separates my style of conditioning from, I guess, traditional strength and conditioning. Okay. What is move? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Okay. So All right. Let's give a little pause so I know where to cut. Okay. All right. So, Keith, what separates your style of strength and conditioning to somebody else? Um. Well. When I was in high school, the strength conditioning was bigger, stronger, faster, and it was just lifting weights. Um, heavy, very slow, didn't matter how you move the weight. You just wanted to be able to put on size, but that doesn't necessarily mean strength. Um, a bodybuilder who wants to lift weights is going to lift heavy weights, but is going to move the weight slow. Uh, an athlete, they're going to use more fast twitch fibers, so they're not going to move as much weight. They want to focus on how fast they can move the weight. So what separates me from, I guess, traditional strength and conditioning is just the overall functioning of the body. Um, the question is that I was asked by Mike is, well, how strong is strong? Strength is subjective. So just because this person can bench 500 pounds doesn't mean he can get on the basketball court, you know, and score 40 points. He may not score a basket at all. So like Kevin Durant only benched, what, 185 once, if he even did that. You know, I bench press more than Kevin Durant, but if I get on the basketball court, I can't move him around. So the goal, what I do is just to make you stronger in movement. So if you want to get quicker, you know, going downhill, getting to the basket, you want to work on first step explosion. Now, traditionally, a lot of people just say, okay, we're going to do heavy back squats. But how does that translate to you driving to the basket or changing direction? You know, so we're not going to, lift as much heavy weights as traditional strength and conditioning it's just how we're going to lift and movement in all three different phases of three dimensions of movement so in every plane of motion you want to be stronger and change the direction or go laterally to transverse along with making you you know less susceptible to injury which is you know the best thing so these are million dollar athletes and especially in the field with the money is not being guaranteed they don't they can't afford to get injured and then basketball, you know, even though the money's guaranteed, they don't want to risk any long-term or future contracts they can get. So we make them stronger in terms of movement in whatever direction they want to move. But most importantly, it's to be injury prevention and a lot of recovery 
lots and lots of recovery. I think that's the most important factor um, for with training is you can train as hard as you want, but if you aren't ready to go on a night by night basis, and I think that what should be implemented too with uh, limiting like load management or back to backs is making sure that you're forcing or implementing recovery measures for your team to make sure they can go night in and night out and be as close to 100% as possible. All right, Keith, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you giving me such great insight on what you do. Guys, oh, thank you for having me. No problem. That was Keith Hodges, goes by Mind and Muscle. Check him out on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, on Instagram and Facebook, you'll see what he does on a daily basis, whether it's training Derrick Rose, the Holiday Brothers, or other professional athletes. All right, Keith, thanks again. Thank you. All right. All right, so I'm going to cut it. Keith, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here, bro. All right. Yeah, so, you know, that's where I'll cut it. Again, just personally, thanks for coming on. Um, okay. So I oh, just no, Thanks had, for having me. Yeah, no problem. I just had Mitchell Creek on the other day, and I'm going to release that one tonight. So this one I'll okay. on probably over the next two days, and I'll probably get, okay. this one, get this one live on Wednesday. Okay, if um, – let me see, because Mike, who's been working with Drew and those guys like the last couple seasons, um, I could send you his information. So he works with Drew. Um, I may be traveling with Justin because he's in Indiana, and Mike's okay. traveling with um, – but he worked with Anthony Davis and mainly Drew this offseason out at okay. Drew's house. So, um, yeah, he's the one that can ask, you know, with all the holiday questions. Cause that's, all right. He's yeah, been with no, them for forever. Yeah. I'm always open to meeting new people and making new connections. You want to drop me his stuff maybe in the future. I could have him. Yeah. On. Yeah. I can do that for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah. All right, Keith. I appreciate it. It was, it was nice meeting you. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me. You got it, man. All right. I I'll, appreciate uh, it. I'll be in touch. All right. Okay. Perfect. All right.